Hello and welcome to SpexCast, a podcast about the science and technology of space exploration. My name is Phil and I'll be your host today along with TJ. Hello. And today we are speaking with Pekka Laurula, the CSO and co-founder of ISI, about the impact of new space for industries that rely on the results it delivers. SpexCast is brought to you by RIT Space Exploration, also known as SPECS, a student faculty research group at the Rochester Institute of Technology. On this podcast, we delve into the technologies that make space exploration possible. You can learn more about SPECS and SPECSCast at our website, specs.rit.edu. Hi, Becca. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks. So uh, to start us off, can you tell us what your job is at ISI and what the company is all about? Sure. So ISI is, is all about uh, creating a sort of new source of information uh, in the um, sort of more global, more reliable, and sort of more frequent in 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 in, in time respect. Uh, we're really trying to bring a, the sort of global information into you know working in the sort of human uh, timescales uh, rather than. Uh, Rather than the sort of more statistical timescales that, that Earth observation, you know, traditionally has been has been working in, and uh, and we are doing this by uh, by, by using our own uh, microsatellite uh, radar sensors, and uh, what's what's really cool about uh, those sensors is is that we can create this uh, reliable sensor uh, that can see in the dark and through the clouds, and uh, do, so so really enabling us to do reliable imaging day and night and very frequently because. Uh, we are uh, using this microsatellite technology, essentially enabling us for the first time in the world launch large constellations, which means that we can bring the timescales into in, into very rapid ones. Um, so, in a way, ISI at that heart is uh, very much a sort of sensors and hardware company, but but we are pushing more and more into the um, information business, if if you will. And um, and then my own role in this company, uh, I've been along. The, the full story as a co-founder and uh, I'm on a day-to-day basis focusing really on the um, on, on the product where where the product you know can mean really anything from from single imagery to to uh, the sort of like queryable information on, on a sort of more 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 broad scale. Um, so ISI launched the first commercial synthetic aperture radar or SAR microsatellite this past January on an Indian uh, PSLV rocket. And it has contracts to launch two more satellites later this year with SpaceX and Rocket Lab. Can you go into a little bit more detail on how synthetic aperture radar works? Sure. You know, the the, the, the word itself, uh, synthetic aperture radar, if we start with radar. Uh, so radar is, is this something that uh, you transmit microwave pulses and then you're uh, seeing the reflections back from your target area. Um, and, uh, you know, this in itself creates the opportunity to essentially uh, observe reliably because you're able to to send your own energy and then see the backscatter of that energy regardless of the sort of external lighting conditions uh, and uh, and then when you're operating in uh, microwave uh, microwave uh, frequencies uh, we are operating in in, in uh, x-band frequency which is around 10 gigahertz in, in carrier wave that means that um, the wavelength is um, sort of long enough to to penetrate clouds to so, so this means that uh, you're sort of creating this sort of very reliable um, uh, source of information in a way that you don't have to care about the the um, weather or time of day when you're doing this. So this is the radar part. And, and then um, now if you were just to send pulses and then wait for returns, you'd essentially be working with a system that um, 
you know, uh, if, if you've seen uh, how an air surveillance radar works, where you're seeing those, uh, you know, blips from a, from a distance, that's not that that's not all you want to see. You want to actually see images, and um, and then the synthetic aperture in 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 this case means that while the radar is flying and then transmitting those pulses um, uh, over the over the flight time uh, over the location, then we can use the the Doppler information uh, that, that we get from the target site to essentially compress the um, compress the the energy into into smaller and smaller sort of uh, resolution cell sizes, and then ultimately when you're dealing with resolution cell sizes of a few meters, then essentially what you're seeing is a, is a sort of a black and white uh, image of, of, of backscatter amplitudes over that target area. And, uh, and then it very much looks like a, a, a black and white picture where your resolution then becomes in order of, uh, you know, of meters or, or, you know, if you're, you know, have a very, very high bandwidth and then you can go even, even, even sub meters. Um, so, so, um, it's an imaging instrument, but but as a sort of like a source of energy, it uses this uh, microwave uh, pulses rather than rather than sunlight, uh, you know, which which would be an optical or optical instrument. So, what are some of the differences and challenges of building a SAR sensor versus an optical sensor? Obviously, we've progressed with space telescopes, but also kind of spy satellites and commercial uh, surface imagery. Uh, for over sixty years. Mm-hmm. So, the one dominant trouble that, that you get uh, while operating with with uh, active instruments, meaning that you have to transmit the energy that is going to you know that you're going to record, means that the you know a big challenge is power. In a way that uh, you can imagine that if our satellite is, is hundreds of kilometers above ground and then it transmits a pulse, then it travels through the atmosphere, hits anything that is on ground, then reflects back from it, and then again needs to travel hundreds of kilometers back to the sensor. The the ratio of of, of transmitted to received power is is uh, is, is uh, sort of a very uh, large, um, and um, and then you know then then this means that we need to transmit very large amounts of power from, you know, especially, you know, dealing with a small satellite then from a very small unit. Um, and then, so this is, this is uh, sort of like how you make the power density to, to, to be high enough to actually allow this is, uh, this is, you know, one, definitely a key hardware technical challenge. Um, and then, then another one, uh, in kind of in, in similar way as, as in optical, you're dealing with aperture uh, in a way that in an optical you're talking about the physical aperture of the optics lenses themselves uh, in in in, in uh, radar instruments you're talking about the aperture of the sort of physical size of the antenna uh, which then means that how large gain are you going to have so essentially how directive your your energy transmission is going to be so uh, now that's another thing that putting large physical aperture in a very small satellite you know it's, it's uh, so sort of a paradox, you know, by itself. So so uh, so this is another area which uh, is very much of a challenge in in in, in small satellites. So with those kinds of challenges, what led ISI to implement SAR on a microsatellite platform? I mean, it, it's really um, the type of uh, sort of business problems that we saw and the type of sort of challenges that we decided to start solving. Um, that required the the sort of very high revisits or or very rapid responses to to the requests on a on a global scale, and that uh, that was the one key thing that the sort of 
large uh, radar imaging satellite uh, cannot deliver. And that's also a, a key requirement that, that, that any amount of small, even small optical satellites cannot deliver uh, just because uh, if, if you're dealing with, uh, you know, higher, higher revisit rates than uh, roughly once per day, then you're going to hit the nighttime too. So, so, um, so, so we saw this, we, we saw this requirement that, you know, in order to like really support operational use cases, like, you know, shipping in, in, in real time, then uh, we needed to have a very high revisit rate. And now with satellites, uh, the, essentially the only way to create high revisit rates globally is to just increase the amount of satellites. And now it very much wasn't practical to, to um, increase the amount of satellites by building multiple half a billion uh, dollar type of large satellites in a sort of a, in, in a sort of traditional aerospace methods. But uh, we really uh, saw that, okay, we need to solve this problem by starting completely fresh uh, and, and then, you know, try to come up with a sensor that is good enough, uh, but is, uh, is, is small and, uh, and uh, sort of affordable for us to launch in sort of commercially feasible uh, price scales uh, in, in large constellations, meaning tens of satellites. And then, you know, this, this together sort of uh, is really the sort of core of, of, of the, the services that we are, we, we are aiming to serve. Yeah, one key um, thing that optical satellites uh, do is if you need a high revisit rate, you might consider a geo platform where you can kind of stare at a persistent spot. But when you're talking about uh, radar, your transmit to receive ratio, that would get um, like out of control uh, with something like synthetic aperture radar. So uh, that's really cool to uh, have that insight there. So um, to be clear about when we say microsatellite, how do you define microsatellite? In terms of mass and size, mm -hmm. so um, microsatellites, uh, at least you know, in the definition that we tend to use, you know, range from uh, the the uh, ten to hundred kilogram range. So where your below ten kilogram would then be uh, classified as nano satellite. Uh, sort of a play on the uh, SI uh, SI units yeah. over there. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, we, we we fall in that range. So so we are not a CubeSat uh, in a sense that we don't fit into a containerized launch. We are launching as a sort of sort of small satellite that that is not in a container while in a launcher. And also mass uh, mass wise, we fall in you know under hundred kilograms, but but definitely over ten. Now, uh, being at that kind of reduced scale, does your team utilize any of the technologies and common components that the broader CubeSat industry has been generating? Uh, yeah, to some extent, yes. So, so uh, it's a it's a sort of very you know exciting industry to to be a part of in a sense that we can see a lot of um, a lot of the sort of uh, first and 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 second generation of of, of uh, uh, small new space companies that had sort of started generating uh, their their first uh, um, you know subsystems in, uh, in 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 universities and then would have you know spun out as companies and generated this uh, you know the sort of basic subsystems like communication radios or or, or attitude control systems uh, um, and, and and then sort of like those coming to be sort of mature enough that that they they can be used uh, almost off the shelf. Uh, that that's that that's uh, you know very exciting to, to to see and kind of like work within a really evolving uh, ecosystem of, of of that type of subsystem providers, 
but also uh also we've ended up doing like large parts of the the of, of our bus and platform completely ourselves too you know just because you know there's a very high uh power requirements for instance would, would lead us to you know essentially completely rebuilding uh from scratch uh you know power systems that you know generally like you could have also bought subsystems of the market but uh but but then like uh did you know we, we just ended up being uh sort of much more purpose-built and efficient by by starting essentially like all over from scratch and that's of course you know the same 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 approach that like the entire radar instrument there is uh that you know that that's sort of like fully our own build in terms of the data you're collecting um can you explain sort of the life cycle of what happens we talked about how you collect it um and form an image um but what happens after that how, where is the synthetic aperture radar data used mm -hmm. so um yeah after the data is collected it's you know uh, essentially raw returns from from radar and then the sort of entire processing to make that look like a picture uh, is, is the very first thing we we need to do with it uh so traditionally when you uh like how, how you get data down from satellites is that you use uh you use ground stations and uh and then we are doing that too. So, so there's an RF, RF communication link uh, to a set of ground stations, and then then the data ends up uh, on the ground station, uh, and and then then through uh, either private uh, or or uh, virtually private uh, networks uh, to to uh, our own processing, and um, and then you know the processing the very first step is really to just to turn those raw signals into an image. Uh, and then, and then now, in in the radar imaging world, there are quite a lot of uh, sort of mid-term stages that, that that the customer can be sort of like that the customer may want to use different types of of, of outputs. Uh, you know, just because uh, in radar imagery you're kind of still preserving, for instance, the uh, phase, not just the amplitude of, of of the return signal, and you can do you can do sort of like more. Uh, complicated analysis like interferometry to the imagery if you're sort of like consuming it at, at that sort of uh, a bit more raw sort of complex number level um, or then we can process it further into sort of like your normal uh, map projected uh, imagery that you can you know ingest in any GIS software uh, as, a, as an image frame um, and that you know as, as a sort of any modern company these days so ultimately the sort of customer delivery you know is, is a you know cloud hosted platform and uh and, and then you know customer can uh, can, can utilize the products from there on uh if, if we are delivering them to to the customer as as an image and now what usually happens from there on uh, as, as as kind of like uh, sort of uh, refining the the rasters into in, into information is that that you know there are sort of very traditional things where radar imagery is used like uh, ship detection in sort of maritime domain awareness type of use case where you're uh, running uh, those pictures through an algorithm that essentially uh, you know detects uh, locates and then labels uh, uh, the ships that are, are seen in those pictures and then you can for instance run a cross-reference between um, between detected ships from radar imagery to uh, sort of like known set of transponders in in that area, and, and then start sort of like uh, cross-referencing targets that 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 you know shouldn't be 
moving in that area, and that could relate, for instance, control of illegal fishing. Um, so, you know, this could be one example of a of a sort of life cycle of, of what happens to to the collected data through 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 the processing and, and then the raster and then analytics and uh, and uh, ultimately sort of like a decision that the customer makes to send a helicopter to inspect uh, the, the the target, for instance. So it seems that many uh, startups within within and outside the space industry have found success in using big data and machine learning algorithms to their advantage. Beyond the buzzwords, what are some of the big data problems that ISA has to deal with as they continue to collect data? Um, so one of the uh, one of one of the, the big data type of problems uh, relates to just the nature of, of the radar data itself. That uh, there is a set of I mean, there's a uh, first customer base that, that really is is a type of an expert customer that really knows what to do with uh, this type of radar imagery and uh, has has used it in the past and um, and is essentially just looking for that sort of higher visit rate and uh, quicker response times to kind of really enable operational uh, use uh, and then to potentially replace some airborne monitoring and and, and so forth. So, so with this type of users, uh, the delivering uh, imagery as is imagery is is generally fine. But then a much larger portion of the of, of the market, uh, which uh, could benefit from the type of information that that, that we are producing, uh, actually you know may not be capable to to extract that information uh, out of you know just 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 the data. So this means that uh, sort of pretty robust. Um, Sort of a processing pipeline for abstracting this 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 radar data into the types of target detections. You know, if they are ships or, or segmenting, uh, you know, fields or or uh, or counting uh, cars on a parking lot or or thing, things like this, where you essentially uh, abstract the, the 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 raster data or or the complex numbers into in, in into a sort of more you know the, the type of uh, the, the the type of inputs that that then a let's say a business analyst would use. Uh, so so this you know requires building quite a quite a sophisticated uh, processing platform that, that that allows you to allows you to do this, and it's relatively necessary. I mean, not completely to do by ISI ourselves, but but of course with a with a set of partners uh, in, in an ecosystem ecosystem like this but but really sort of it's, it's very important to, to be able to do this type of uh, abstracted deliveries uh, in order to really access the entire market that, that we can serve um, has this uh, data processing paradigm changed over the years um, especially since this new technology has advanced and progressed? I mean, yeah, it 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 it, it in a way sort of the basic paradigm uh, in in terms of trying to turn information collected from orbit into actions uh, that has of course been in a way always the the uh, sort of set of steps that that you do in sort of any Earth observation related uh, industry or or use case or institution or 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 however. Uh, you sort of structure it, uh, but of course the time scale and and the volume scale has has changed Im- immensely. That if if in the you know previous ages what you would do is that you would have your 
spice of the light take a picture and then take that picture on a film and, and then drop that film with a parachute you know, down to the uh, down to the atmosphere and capture that and, and then take it to be developed and then a human analyst to look at that one picture and start doing that uh, start doing that counting of, of, of things and then deliver that information into their supervisors and then eventually a decision chain would do something about it uh, you know if that previously took months uh now it uh you know it, it can take seconds and uh and then also the sort of like volume of of collection you know would have uh you know easily thousand folded uh and then so th this just means that like the available information is is more or like the potentially available information is is more than uh your human analyst or 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 an army of human analysts can really take full advantage of so this, in a way, changes the paradigm so that you have to build a lot of automation into the chain, uh, you know, I, first of all, to make it faster, and then secondly, to be able to cope with the, with the amount of information really, really coming in. And um, yeah, so in, in that sense, it, 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 uh, the paradigm necessarily hasn't changed, but, but, uh, but the, the uh, sort of orders of magnitude of, of, of speed and volumes uh, very much have changed. Okay, so now we've talked about uh, ISAI and how your approach um, has been so far. Let's kind of pivot and talk about the market at large. Um, first of all, is is there anyone else doing synthetic aperture radar? What what sets ISAI apart from what's currently out there? Right. So so we are really focusing on doing the. Um, uh, you know what what these days is called new space way of of building uh building instruments and then spacecraft and operating an information service uh where the sort of existing uh synthetic aperturator instruments in space are very much uh very very much in the sort of governmental instrument paradigm uh where a they are sort of missions commissioned by 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 governments and uh and operated by a traditional aerospace company to deliver information to a specific set of, of, of end users that um, may not have a purely commercial end goal but 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 uh, uh, but but also sort of like a national uh, national level uh, goal 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 attached to it uh, so so we are really aiming to be a purely commercial player and an operate uh, operate this constellation in a in, in a way that we can provide very rapid access and very frequent revisits, uh, which is generally uh, impossible to do from from this sort of a, a single or 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 a low singles uh, of of, of a governmental type so synthetic virtual radars. Everyone is your approach disrupting the market. I mean, we certainly hope so. Uh, it's <laughs> it's uh, it, it it's it's always like uh, it's always like this that um, uh, you know. Because you know we are building this in the sort of you know venture finance technology company way you know there's a there's a pretty aggressive angle uh, for us to build a solution to a set of problems that we've seen out there in the market. But of course, at the same time, we are building that solution, uh, you know, with uh, you know relatively aggressively in forward that we intend to be you know um, ready with the capacity. You know, at the same time or before the customers are really, you know, uh, uh, able to 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 consume 
uh, consume the service, uh, you know, just because, uh, you know, changing the sort of mindset uh, of, of the sort of customer uh, also takes some time. So we are currently in the midst of a major shift in the space industry where small launchers and reusable rockets are reducing the cost to orbit by orders of magnitude. And small sats are now real contenders against long, large, long-life satellites. How does iSize approach differ from traditional companies and what they offer to customers? Um, I guess there's a lot of, uh, you know, what, what uh, I was just in the sort of previous answer uh, sort of discussing that, that, um, that, that what we are trying to do is, is that uh, we can either uh, break down the offering into something that, uh, you know, ultimately we're able to offer sort of extremely uh, low unit transaction sizes uh, to sort of large volume, uh, large volume user base, uh, which is a sort of quite new approach into um, in, in into our supervision, especially with uh, with the sort of tasking based system like uh, like like radars uh, and um, and 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 then really you know just uh, uh, I mean I, I guess like the the approach in uh, approach in, um, in, the, in the hardware side um, allows us to be very responsive that that if the satellite by design is short in its lifetime, uh, then that means that we can sort of respond to the the um, sort of customer demand, uh, not just by developing new ways to analyze the data, but also new ways to collect the data, and uh, then really sort of closing this loop uh, in in matter of a few years, as opposed to um, in in matter of a few tens of years, it is really something that that of course accelerates the, the sort of Loop back and uh, and and uh, kind of our um, competitiveness in, in in the market and uh, and 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 so so these are the type of uh, types of areas where we really uh, try to be different. So you mentioned the customer demand um, and responding to those demands, but is the customer base uh, right now ready for this type of approach? And have what they what the customers want changed in response to the different things you can offer i mean uh so 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 this is an area where uh you know when we talk about business development this is really what we're what we're talking about that that uh we kind of have to recognize that a larger part of the potential market for us are the types of users who haven't necessarily realized that their problems can be solved by utilizing, you know, small uh, microsatellite radars from space. You know, that would be relatively outlandish for, uh, um, you know, majority of, of of the potential user user base. And uh, we really have to try and uh, sort of approach those industries with um, with with our own understanding of what the needs are, uh, and and then you know try to you know try and drive. The, the uh, sort of potential solutions that we can offer them and uh, and then sort of reiterate from 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 there to kind of like really translate uh, our sales pitch in a way to the language of, of, of whichever industry that, that we we are we are targeting uh, so so uh, and then especially when you're working with areas that that have not worked with any type of uh, satellite remote sensing uh, in 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 sort of any meaningful extent previously then 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 you know especially with those areas 
we just need to be able to sort of abstract our offering into in into the information content and uh, sort of like you know forget talking about the satellites really um, even if they are the sort of uh, you know the cool cool things that we do um, but um, but yeah so so uh, it's it's um, it's it's a very I mean it it is a very tough area uh, in a way to kind of like really try and figure out a wide array of product market fits in uh, in, in in industries that don't necessarily uh, sort of otherwise recognize that they could sort of generate uh, or like come to you uh, but you sort of like really have to really have to go to go go to them but you know at the same time like I, I don't think you know that's gonna be too much different from for, for any other potential disruptive startup that like uh, if you're creating new markets and then then you have to really then you have to really educate the market too so since you begin offering your service how has the response changed um, you've mentioned trying to convince customers they need or can use SAR data uh, have you noticed that once they get on board uh, their opinion or the way they use a the service changes over time and the way they operate their business does that change as well that's certainly the goal uh, now, of course, you know, uh, we have been in this business not for a very long time. So, so uh, you know, I wouldn't be able to say that we have a sort of a completely transformed any any particular industry with our offering. But uh, but there certainly are, there is a lot of potential to, to, to uh, sort of do exactly that in, in, uh, in, in a set of industries. And, uh, and, and then, you know, our hope, of course, is, is, is that we are able to, so, so the aim is to kind of never really, uh, you know, take anybody out of business. Uh, but, but you know, the, the the goal really is to sort of like be able to sort of generally elevate uh, the 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 ecosystem uh, uh, upwards. So, so that like if we're able to increase revisit rates into uh, in, and and provide like uh, information on sub daily basis as opposed to let's say every three days, uh, then then there's a, a there's a large amount of, of, of information products that, that really, really change in the way that they can be consumed because suddenly like you're, you're able to actually consider these updates uh, real time as opposed to sort of like uh, hindsight. Uh, so so uh, those are the types of uh, sort of fundamental changes that, that we are sort of hoping to really, uh, really being able to, to, to affect. But, but uh, you know, now we are at, at the phase where we have sort of, you know, been able to demonstrate that the technology works uh, so, so that we are able to launch this capacity. But, but of course, like, uh, uh, you know, we are still in, in, in the sort of uh, building up phases to kind of really bring all this capacity on online. And, you know, those effects of, of kind of really changing the customer behavior will, will then most likely take place when, uh, when the customers are really consuming the sort of full capacity service. You've mentioned some of the challenges you've overcome so far, but what are still some of the bigger challenges that lay ahead, mainly in technology, marketing, the market itself, or even navigating government regulations? Mm, yeah, those are actually all 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 uh, pretty relevant areas that uh, we were talking about. Sort of, uh, you know, having to really educate the market on a very broad range of of different industries. So it's it's something that uh, you know for a you know startup company uh, requires a lot of 
growth to be able to really deeply understand and access uh, a broad range of, of, of different industries. Um, you know, that's just, you know, that is certainly one, 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 one challenge. Um, and, um, and uh, the, the um, government regulations, it's, uh, it's an interesting, interesting mention there too. It's, it's something that is uh, very much evolving, uh, evolving area uh, where, um, where sort of like you have to kind of keep your, keep, keep your eyes open as, as to kind of like how, how, how that's how that's moving forward uh you know some of the some of the things that that you know us as a player in the sort of uh broader new space industry really you know we're taking very seriously is that like you have to uh understand that um you know for instance space debris type of uh type of uh, mitigation is something that right now the industry has a chance to 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 kind of like really make sure that uh, we're able to uh you know, self-regulate uh, and uh, sort of like really understand that, that that you know if 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 there are sort of like mishaps, then it's a really a uh, really a uh, you know difficult situation for for the entire industry, and uh, and and then you know when we are dealing with uh, things like um, uh, th- the things that relate to remote sensing uh, from space, then there's always the sort of uh, you know government uh, sort of technology or 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 a service export type of type of questions that uh, that come up and uh, and then this is this is an area where sometimes uh, so, sometimes the, the um you know industries uh industries moving you know forward you know before the regulation and and then then sometimes regulation is catching up uh and uh, sometimes there are sort of like corrective movements so so uh, it it is an industry where where you kind of like have to be aware of all this and uh, because all of the business is also by default very global then then you have to be aware of that on a sort of very very broad range of uh, broad range of regulations too um so it's it's another uh, um interesting challenge for a, for for a sort of startup like company where you know all, all the teams essentially grow from scratch and you kind of really have to build this understanding from 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 ground up um but 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 of course like um you know the the so the, the challenges that we like most uh you know being a space company of of course are are the the, the technological challenges to take this uh to take this service even further that if we now were able to uh squeeze the instrument into you know the the smallest satellite in in the world then then uh, we are obviously sort of like keeping on keep keeping on that challenge to push it even further and uh and then seeing what what we can what we can uh what we can bring to the market that uh, if 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 this small service uh, or like if this small satellite seemed impossible a few years ago, then then uh, you know we already have our sights in the in the next impossible problems. So so uh, you know that's something that uh, uh, keeps us ticking here. And speaking of uh, impossible problems, uh, you mentioned your your plan to uh, have a full constellation of star satellites that can do that kind of that rapid data update uh, in the future if. ISI is able to complete that vision. What do you think is the the next uh, blocker uh, preventing, or that would have to be overcome to do uh, the next order of magnitude change in capability? Uh, kind of the the big roadblock far down the road. I mean, I, I guess if you really, you know, think, you know, like you know, going to next generations, then if if we're now able to take this type of information service into uh, the types of time scales that you're counting things in hours rather than days but but uh, you know you know kind of like the, the next logical thing to think to think about is that all right uh, 
can we do this actually real time? Uh, and now then in, in that type of paradigm, uh, you know, what shifts is, is that, uh, you know, number of satellites, you know, gets you so far, but um, for instance, how are you going to deal with communications from all of these satellites in a continuous manner so that your data stream really streams live? And, um, and then here we're seeing actually really interesting um, uh, development when like, you know, here kind of like when you tie the loop back into the sort of mega constellations of, 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 uh, of, of um, communication, uh, then, you know, that's an area where what if you could actually think about your satellites as just remote computers, you know, continuously connected to the very same internet that, that, that everybody is using. So then suddenly you're dealing with a giant IoT type of you know, sensor network and, uh, and then the sort of paradigm of uh, sort of like how you provide services and then what you even consider to be an image in a way uh, that, that changes a lot. And, uh, and those are really, you know, all of those paradigms, like they are not very far away. They are, you know, just years away. Uh, and, 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 you know, we are in a sort of very good position to, to um, sort of like keep all of that in mind and, and, and you know, try to build uh, the next generations of our hardware to, to match really the uh you know the, the types of next generation uh, service uh, service requirements that we see you know the, the market having um we've been speaking with pekka laurila from isi um thanks a lot for sharing this insight into uh the hardware you're developing and uh the business that you're starting to grow thanks a lot all right thanks a lot that was fun thanks for listening if you like this episode don't forget to subscribe and like us on facebook and twitter you can find show notes and in-depth references, as always, on blog.specscast.com. Also, let us know what you think of the show by leaving a review on iTunes, sending us a tweet at RITSpecs, or an email via specscast at gmail.com. We'll be back next week with another discussion on space exploration, science, and technology.